Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Hey guys, hope you're all warm and staying inside at home. And hey, today I want to talk to you as we continue in our series from Luke is I wanna talk to you about what do you do in a moment when you feel like God wants you to do something, he's asking you to do a thing, but it really doesn't make sense to you. We see this story here in Luke chapter five. If you wanna follow along, Luke five, one through five, it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, sometimes that's called the lake of Gennesaret, sometimes we'll see it called the Sea of Galilee, same body of water. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, and he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon or, or Peter, and asked him to pull out, to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Here's a great phrase. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Here's the first reason we obey, even when it doesn't make sense. Here it is. Because understanding is not required for obedience. Have you ever been in a moment where you feel like God wants you to do a thing? You're not sure it makes sense. I, I think about about 19 years ago when Claire and I were in Colorado and we planted a church there, been there four years. It was going awesome. We had one little nine-month-old little baby and it just found out we were gonna have another. Claire's folks had moved to Colorado to be helpful to us. They were able to help babysit whenever we needed them to, but God began to stir our hearts to come to Reno. But in many ways, it just didn't make sense because life there was awesome. We, we had a little baby. We were gonna have another little baby. Also had a six-year-old and we had all a great support system. And in many ways, it didn't make sense, but we knew it was what God wanted us to do, to come to Reno and, and seek to make a difference in Northern Nevada, but so the principle is we don't have to understand in order to obey. That's what's going on here with Peter. Uh, Jesus says to Peter, hey, first he says, can I, can I go and use your boat to teach from, which I don't know if that was a common thing or not. I think it wasn't. And, and secondly, he says, hey, I know you've been fishing all night, but I want you to go out and fish again. Now, everybody knew that that fishing uh, was, was more productive at night, but even, even in the nighttime, Peter says, hey, we didn't have a great catch last night. We hardly caught anything. It's not the time of day you really catch fish. And he says, but because you say so, I'll do it. The principle is this. When it comes to ob obedience, understanding or agreeing is not really what matters. What matters is the posture of my heart. So what we see with Peter is this. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And then Simon answered, here's the first thing we see. The posture of his heart is the first thing we see. He says, master, it's the posture of his heart. And then he says, but I don't really understand. I don't get this. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets again. See, a heart posture of obedience, a heart posture that says, hey, I may not understand it, but you're the master. He calls a master. It's what really comes down to it is love and trust. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Really comes down to trust. If I really believe that God is good, 
good. He knows more than I know. He wants my best, wants what's good for me. It just makes sense to obey. And so what really happens when Peter says, he master, when Peter takes Jesus's fishing advice, Jesus was the carpenter, Peter was the fisherman. When Peter takes Jesus's advice on, fisher, on fishing, what we see is this principle that, that when I'm following Jesus, he becomes the expert in every area of my lives and, 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 and of my life. And so every parent has had those moments where you ask your child to do a thing and they ask why. And there's moments you're in the mood to explain it, moments you're not in the mood to explain it. Those moments you just say, because I said so. And so when it comes to obedience, it really isn't as much about understanding or agreeing. It's about a heart posture of trust and love. The Hebrew word for obey is this word shema. It's the same words used in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. That, that the, it was the, the, the kind of the go-to. We would think of as the John 3, 16 verse of the Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And that word here, Shema, is, they would call this little phrase the Shema. And that word Shema can be translated hear or obey. And this is what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus asks, what's the greatest commandment? He says, uh, hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with your whole heart. It's this Shema, but that word here can also be translated as obey. It's this most important command. And so while it's many times we think of it as hear, O Israel, it could just as well be obey, O Israel. The Lord our God is one God and you are to love him with your whole self. And so here's a great quote from Henry Blackaby. He says, if you know that God loves you, you should never question a directive from him. It will always be right and best when he gives you a directive or an instruction. You're not just to observe it, discuss it, or debate, or, or debate it. You are to obey it. Let's keep reading in this passage, Luke 5, verse 6. It says, when they had done so, when they had gone out and put out the, uh, their nets in the, in the deep, and it says, so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in their boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Here's the principle that we see. We obey even when it doesn't make sense because obedience leads to blessing. That's the big principle. Obedience leads to blessing. So Peter says, hey, master, I, we've been fishing all night. We've not caught anything, but because you say so, we're going to do it. And then they go out, put the nets down, and immediately catch more fish than they've ever caught, more fish than they knew what to do with. It's this principle, obedience leads to blessing. That's what Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. There's a blessing that comes with obedience. That's what James says in James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Obedience leads to blessing. And sometimes it look like, looks like what we would think of as a blessing that you might notice. 
It might, uh, there's this principle, it's not a promise, it's a principle. A, a principle is, is something that is usually the way it goes and the way life goes. This principle that often applies is that the more you put God first in an area of your life, the more he blesses that area of your life. In part because his path, his commands, they they lead to flourishing because his way is best. And then in part because he specifically blesses as we obey him. And so sometimes that blessing might be something tangible. You might experience favor at work or favor in a relationship. Uh, and But sometimes it might be more subtle. It might be growth in faith or growth in a relationship or experiencing greater peace. But here's the thing about the blessing that comes with obedience. It's not just for you. So here's the thing about this story. I believe what we have, we see is, is that these fishermen go out, they catch more fish than they've ever seen in their lives. And I believe one of three things happened with these fish. Either the families of these fishermen sold them and their families had a better week financially than they'd ever had in their lives. They had more fish to sell than they've ever had to sell. So it was the best week financially they'd ever had. Or maybe they, they immediately have a giant fish fry for the whole crowd that's gathered and everyone gets a free lunch. Everybody loves a free lunch. Or maybe they give those fish to the neediest families in the town and they find themselves supplied well. In each of these cases, the way it might have gone down, the blessing goes beyond the fishermen. See, your obedience to God, even when it doesn't make sense, you'll be blessed but also will your spouse will be blessed and your kids will be blessed. Your coworkers will be blessed. My question for you is, is there an area of your life or maybe you're missing a blessing or maybe the people in your life are missing a blessing because you know that there's something that God wants you to do that you're not doing or you know there's something that God wants you to stop doing that you are continuing to do and you're not, because of that, you're not experiencing the blessing that God wants you to. So we obey because obedience leads to blessing even when we don't make, and it doesn't make sense. Let's keep reading this story, Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Here's the thing. We obey God even when it doesn't make sense because obedience invites revelation. See, what happens is Peter realizes that he is in the presence of a holy God. See, there's this principle that when I obey God, it will lead to a greater understanding of who I am in light of a greater understanding of who God is. And so Peter has this moment where he recognizes that, that he's in the presence of a holy God, and in comparison, he is a giant mess. It's not even what happens. I think Peter's likely referring to the fact that, 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 his, that he wasn't eager in his obedience. He, he simply, uh, he hesitantly obeyed as opposed to confidently or eagerly obeyed because he doubted that, that Jesus's instructions were going to lead to his good. But he went along. And so it wasn't even that giant of a, of a miss, but he knew that his heart wasn't quite right. And so when he finds himself in the presence of, of holy God, he finds himself overwhelmed and seeing himself more clearly of, of his incredible imperfection in light of the perfection that he was in the presence of. This is really the normal response when people would encounter God in, in, a, in his manifest presence. We see this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. 
It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, these angels, and there's these, and they, they covered their feet, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah says, I was in the manifest presence of God. And then he says, woe to me. He says, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble, I cried. I, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And so, so what we see here is Peter obeys and invites this greater revelation of who Jesus is, that, that, he, that he's God who is even over the fish of the sea, that, that, that he's over all of nature. Jesus reveals more of who he is to Peter. Peter gets his clearer picture of who he is and light of who Jesus is. He has this moment recognizing he's in the presence of God. Here's a great quote from A.W. Tozer. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us. And that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the light of his face. And so a great question that we should ask ourselves, we all as, as followers of Jesus have moments where, where God feels closer and we feel like we're really experiencing him more and moments where it feels like God might be a little farther away or we're not experiencing him as much. And sometimes that's that could be for a number of different reasons, but one of the reasons, a question we should ask ourselves in moments where we don't feel like we're experiencing God as fully, is we should ask ourselves, is there an area of known disobedience in our life? Something that maybe we know God wants us to do, that we've been hesitant to do, we haven't done, or something that God's asked us to change or stop, that we've been hesitant to change, we haven't stopped, that, that, that disobedience can cause us to not fully experience the manifest presence of God the way he would like us Two, Luke 5, 10. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. This phrase of Jesus, I will make you fishers of men. So they, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So here's the thing. We obey God even when it doesn't make sense because uh, obedience doesn't depend on me understanding. Because when I obey, it invites God's blessing in my life. When I obey, it invites God's revelation of himself more and more to me. And, and then here's the next last thing. Because even small acts of obedience often precede massive opportunities. See, what we see is this is Jesus comes to Peter. He asks him a small thing. He, he says, hey, can I use your boat for the next few minutes? Peter could have said, hey, I don't like to share my boat with anybody. Peter could have said, Jesus, why don't you just stand over there? But G Peter willingly gives Jesus his boat to teach from, and then, and then 
Jesus says, hey, Peter, why don't you go out and fish again, even though it's not the time you would normally fish, even though you're tired, even though you caught nothing yesterday, none of this stuff made sense, but Peter still obeyed. And at the end of the story, we see that Jesus invites Peter to join in on his mission. He says, your life's no longer gonna be simply about catching fish. You're gonna join in on my mission to change the world, to, to bring the world into myself. And and so this principle is this, acts of small obedience often precede massive opportunities. Obeying God in what seem like to us small things uh, can be an essential step in receiving God's greatest blessings and, being, and, and, and then being, experiencing these fresh opportunities. See, had Peter said to Jesus, hey, listen, Jesus, I'm busy. I'm cleaning my nets right now. Jesus, I'm tired right now. I can't, I, I'm gonna go fishing again tonight. I'm not fishing right now. Or, or he could have said, hey, why don't you ask that guy to use his boat? Or he could have said, I've already been fishing all night. It'd be a waste of time to go again. If Peter had said anything other than yes, uh, it's, I don't know how it would have gone, but I can't help but think if Peter would have said anything other than yes to Jesus in these two small requests, I just wonder if Peter's whole life looks different. I wonder if Jesus still asks him to be one of, one of the 12. I wonder if he still gets to be with Jesus for all of those healings and the feeding of the 5,000 and the resurrection of Lazarus. I wonder if Peter still ends up being the, the, getting to be one of the first ones at the empty tomb. I wonder if Peter still gets to be the one who's preaching on the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes in power, people literally begging to give their lives to Christ, saying, what must we do to be saved? And 3,000 people, maybe, maybe 10,000, could just be 3,000 men who give their lives to Christ that day. I wonder if Peter gets to do that. I wonder if Peter ends up getting to be the primary leader of the early church in its early days. See, I, I believe this. I believe there is a sense in which every step of obedience is a step towards the next thing, often a more significant thing that God has for us. It reminds me of the story when King Saul was talking to David about Goliath, and, and David said, I'm not, I'm not worried about this giant. I know God's got that. God will be with me, just like when I was a shepherd boy. And, and, and there was first the, the lion that came, and, and I killed that lion. Then it prepared me to kill the bear that came. And those things prepared David for the thing that God had in his future. It's this principle. We see this principle in the parable of the talents, that these little things lead to larger things. Jesus, Matthew 25, 23. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. You've obeyed me with these small requests. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and enter into your master's happiness. There's this principle that, that, would, that God calls us to be faithful in small things. And, and, and then when we're faithful in the small things, when we obey, even in what seem like little things, even things that don't seem like they really make sense to us, what happens is that then we see in the life of Peter here. He obeys. He says, here, here's my boat. Feel free to teach from that. 
He obeys. He says, I'm tired. I think I know more about fishing than you do. I'm the fisherman. You're the carpenter. But because I will trust and love you, you're the master. You've become the expert in every area of my life. I'm going to obey you in this small thing. And then it leads to Peter being invited to be one of the 12, to be become maybe the most prominent of the 12. God uses him in this massive way as a part of his big mission to rescue the world. And it, and it all starts with a little small act of obedience. So a question for you is this. Are, are there potential opportunities, potential massive things that God wants to do in your life that maybe you might be missing out on because of disobeying in an area that feels small or not obeying in an area that you just really don't feel like it makes much sense to you? And I just want you to know that you have no idea what one act of obedience might set into motion. And so as we wrap up this morning, uh, I, I, maybe God has been reminding you this morning of something he's been speaking to you about, either through his word, just very clearly, or through his spirit, that still small voice, something that he's been asking you to do that you've been resistant to do. Or maybe he's been asking you to stop doing something either just very clearly through his word or through his spirit that you've been hesitant to stop doing. Maybe it has to do with a habit. Maybe it has to do with a relationship that you know is not honoring God. Or maybe he's been asking you to do a thing. Maybe there's a decision that, that he's been asking you to, to make that, that doesn't make sense to you. But, but really it begins by the, kind of that heart posture of Peter that we see at the beginning of the story. It's not about do I agree. It's not about does this make sense. It's about do I love? Because he said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And do I trust? Do I really believe that God sees more of the big picture than I do? Do I really believe that he wants better things for my life than I do? And those two things are true, that I can trust him, that obedience will lead to a better outcome than if I did things on my own terms. And so I just want to invite you to take this heart posture of obedience to love and to trust, knowing that when we do that, we invite more of God's blessing in our life, that we invite more of God revealing himself to us in our life, and that we, we step into even greater things that God might be inviting us to in the future, these opportunities to be a part of what he's doing. Let me pray for you. And so, Father, Lord, I pray that you would give us that posture of Peter, that even when he didn't understand, he said, Master, because you say so. I'm gonna do it. And so Lord, in those moments where we don't understand, but feel like you're calling us into an area of obedience, Lord, would, would you give us that posture, that posture of love and that posture of trust that leads to obedience even when we don't understand. So Lord, would you help us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.